Whoso loveth instruction loveth knowledge, but he that hateth reproof is brutish. And what is instruction? What does it mean to receive instruction? Being taught, right? Now, what what is the posture of someone who loves instruction? What are some things that would characterize someone who loves instruction? You, we've all been in classrooms, and and uh, not everybody in the classroom loves instruction, right? Um, what but what are some of the things that would characterize someone who loves learning or loves being instructed? Holly? Ask questions. Ask questions, yeah. Um, ask questions is, is, a, is a, a, a good thing to be able to, to ask questions, to be thinking about things, to, to want to clarify. Um, asking questions, that's good. What else? Heather? Eye contact. Eye contact, yeah, that's one of the first things I teach my kiddos when we're doing devotions. I, I at least think you're listening if you're looking at me, right? Um, eye contact, eye contact. Just looking at the teacher. I remember my kindergarten teacher teaching me that. Um, what are some other things that characterize a, a learner? Right? Take notes, underlining. Note taking, underlining. Um, having your textbook. Yeah, the, uh, these are all things that, that characterize um, these things, right? Um, I'm going to convict you now. You ready? I didn't say it. You're going to, though, weren't you, buddy? What are you going to say? Sitting in front of the class. Right? The hood, the hoodlums, they sit in the back, right? That's just a general principle. It's, it's, it doesn't, it's not everybody. Holly? Coming prepared. Coming prepared. Coming prepared. You know, if there's homework, having done the homework, or, or uh, if there's reading to do, having done the reading. Yeah. And these are all things that characterize the learner. Now, when should people stop being that? Never, right? Never. Um, and yet, most people stop being learners at some point, don't they? Uh, not just in churches, but in, in life in general. Why do people, as they grow older, tend to stop being studious? What do you think? Heather? Alright, yeah, I, I know this stuff, right? I know this stuff. I, I've learned it. I mean, you know, I, I don't need this. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. What'd you say? Tired. Tired, alright. So yeah, older people, we tend to get tired. Yeah. Didn't get enough sleep last night. Well, I've got five kids. What are you talking about? <laughs> you know? By the way, if you're tired, one of the ways to get over that is to take notes. Um, you know, Brian, we we're at the prayer meeting and I was reminded, and it's true. Um, you know, if you've ever fallen asleep while you're praying, there's one good way to not fall asleep. Pray out loud. Pray out loud. Right? Um, somebody was raising their hand over there. Mom? Too busy. Too busy to learn. Too busy to learn, yeah. Um, too tired, too busy. Definitely. But God wants us to continue to be learning, right? He wants us to continue to love instruction. And especially, um, especially when it comes to his instruction, right? Now, it's good to learn all kinds of subjects, and I try to learn a lot of things. Um, learn about this or that. If something 
Um, if I'm reading an article and it begins to talk about something I don't understand, I'll often try to look it up. And we look, at, we live in a day where we don't even have to go to the library, right? We don't have to know, we don't have to learn how to look something up in the card catalog or, or anything like that. Um, we can just, um, we can just put it into the search engine and, and uh, often find out things. And now I think books are the, are probably a better way to go. Um, but, it's it's easy if you want to get a little bit of information to figure things out, right? To look things up. Um, but I often find myself looking things up and trying to learn what's trying to be said there. Right? And then he says, but he that hateth reproof is brutish. Now, this is a man or a person that's like an animal. Um, and what does that word reproof mean? Correction, right? To to be to have revealed that you're wrong. Excuse me. And to have revealed that you're wrong. And uh, if you're going to if you're going to grow older and you're going to continue instruction, you're more likely to find out that there's some things that you're wrong in, right? If you're in kindergarten and you're learning in kindergarten, um, you're probably not going to have the notion that I already know and I don't need to learn from my teacher but as you grow older that tends to happen more right and you get into into high school and and uh, you've got some some work under your belt and you begin to think I know this stuff and then you get a D on your test and you and uh, you find out you don't know it right so but he that hateth or despise or or gets angry at reproof is brutish God doesn't want us to get angry. Now, is all reproof good reproof? No, it's it, not all reproof is good reproof. Some reproof is is not right. Um, sometimes people correct us when we're not wrong. But even so, we still should desire to. Uh, we should still not hate it. Now, so when the scripture says "hateth reproof," whether it be good or bad, how can we react to it? Considering it, yeah. By thinking about it. By not casting it out of hand and saying, I'm not listening to this, right? Or getting angry at the person who does it, right? Getting angry at the person who does it. You know, someone may come and say, I don't like this or that or the other. And uh, to get angry at them for it is, is uh, it just shows or is evidence that you are brutish, right? It reveals your brutishness. And so God wants us to be willing to be reproved, knowing that we're not, we've not arrived. And, and uh, even the Apostle Paul was really willing to be reproved. Verse 2, A good man obtaineth favor of the Lord, but a man of wicked devices he will condemn. A man shall not be established by wickedness, but the root of the righteous shall not be moved. And uh, so a good man or a man who who is righteous or has the righteousness of God of God upon him or or goes out to do the right thing um what is he going to gain the favor of the Lord right the favor of the Lord and I remember hearing somebody say well well God 
God uh, doesn't favor anybody. And that's not really true. Um, in If there's one person who's doing right and there's one person that's doing wrong, God is going to favor the other. Now that doesn't mean that God doesn't care about the other or it doesn't mean that God didn't die for the other. But God is going to favor them. What does that mean? What does it mean to favor in this instance? Agree with and in agreement, do good for, right? Do good for. And uh, now if you've got five children, um, I, I think it's an unwise thing to favor one child over the other, right? And some wise. <laughs> but uh, in, in God's eyes, if a person's doing right and another person's doing wrong, one person may find that they're being blessed and the other person's not finding they're being blessed. And the person who's not being blessed shouldn't get angry at the, at the blessing, right? They should say, well, maybe I should start doing right. And that's really what he's trying to get here. Um, God will condemn or will work against in verse 2. A man should not be established by wickedness. You know, we tend, we, we, in our world, we, we tend to see people who rise to the top. We see their wickedness. And some people really are wicked. And we say, man, how in the world? And this, this person has established themselves. But again, like we said this morning, no matter who you are, what's going to happen to you? God is going to judge wickedness. Alright? And if a person continues in their wickedness and doesn't repent and turn to the Lord, uh, they are going to be judged by God. And severely. And uh, praise the Lord for the Lord Jesus Christ. Because I deserve to be the one judged. But he, he's, he, uh, he has reserved that judgment upon His Son. But the root of the righteous shall not, shall not be moved. And what is the root of... Of the righteous that keeps us from being unmoved. What do you think? What is the root of our righteous, of the righteous that that would keep the righteous from being moved? Morals, okay. Uh, foundation of morals, uh, and and ultimately, where do those morals come from for the Christian in the Christian home? From the Bible, right? We can be unmoved because we, our foundation is the Word of God. If you remember, Jesus gave the parable of two men, right? And one dug down deep and built his home on the, on the rock and one built his house upon the sand. And who did Jesus say the one who built his home upon the rock was like? The one who heard the Word and did it, right? And the one who built his hand, his house upon the sand was the one who heard the word, but didn't do it. But we've got the word, and so um, we can be sure of things because of the word of God, right? We can be sure of things because of what the Bible says. Verse 4, a virtuous woman is a crown to her husband, but she that maketh ashamed is as rottenness in his bones. I want you to notice that word virtuous. The word virtuous here means as strong as an army. That's an interesting thing, isn't it? In fact, 
it is translated more times as translated army than anything else. I think it's translated over 50 times, um, this Hebrew word, as the word strong. God wants strong women, right? He wants strong ladies. He wants strong wives. Um, A virtuous, a strong woman is as a crown to her husband. Um, God raises up strong women whose grounding is in the Word of God. That's what he's saying here. I I want my wife to be strong and strong enough to say, Hey, John, you're wrong. (laughs) I can't be wrong. I'm the husband. Well, that's not true, is it? (laughs) I can be wrong because of what the Bible says. And um, a woman who can say that is... That is right or that is wrong because of what the Scripture says. That is a strong woman. Um, Now, is God talking about a woman who is self-centered and self-absorbed? Is that a strong woman? Who says, I do what I want. And society is not going to stop me. And my husband is not going to stop me. And no man's going to stop me. I do what I want. Is that what God's talking about here? He's not. Right? You know, God is the first one who came up with strong woman. (laughs) Not modern feminism. It's true. And just like the world has, has misshapen manhood, the world is misshapen womanhood. And just like... The world has accused the Bible of being wrong when it comes to manhood. The Bible is also accused of being wrong when it comes to womanhood. The Bible is not the propagator of the barefoot and pregnant idealism of of whatever people think of when they think of Christianity and women. That is wrong. It's a lie. Right? God wants, desires women to be not, not opinionated, but to be assured of what's true because she knows the Word of God. Right? That makes sense? Knows the Word of God. And, uh, and by God's grace knows when to, knows how to, to be able to proclaim these things in an effective way. Without pride. And uh, in meekness. And then, but she that maketh ashamed is as rottenness to his bones. The woman who makes her husband ashamed is like rottenness to his bones. And, and I don't know what that would be practically. Um, I've not known that and I praise the Lord for it. But it is sad when those when that does happen. Verse five: the thoughts of the righteous are right, but the counsels of the wicked are deceit. The thoughts of the righteous are true, but the counsels of the wicked are lies. You know it's not good, but evil advice 
when it's veiled in deceit and lies. If you have to tell a little white lie to be able to, to accomplish what you're trying to accomplish, it's evil counsel, isn't it? It's bad. It's wrong. Young people, if you're, if the counsel is, you know, you could cheat and get away with it if you do this. That's bad counsel, isn't it? It's bad counsel. And uh, it's wicked counsel. And be careful, because even if your teacher doesn't know, God does. And God gave your teacher special wisdom. <laughs> by the way, your teachers are probably smarter than you think they are. You know, seeing what you think is a foolproof plan a hundred times before. Right? But that's bad counsel. Anything that has to do with some sort of veiling or deceit is bad. And we, we should want, flee from that, run away from that as, as far as you can. The words of the wicked are to lie in wait for blood. But the mouth of the upright shall deliver them. And what does that mean? You know what the wicked do? They get together and they talk about how they can hurt others. That's what they do. And even in their speech, even if they're not talking about how they can hurt others, they hurt others by talking bad about them while they're not there. Right? That's bad. It is a wicked thing. Um, To get together with another person and talk bad about another person is a wicked thing. It ought not to be done. God does not want our lips to be used to shed blood, to to bring about wickedness or evil to another person. He doesn't want us to do that. If you're together with friends and they talk, start talking about how they can hurt somebody else, flee from that. Or tell them, this is wrong and you need to stop. Right? That makes sense? That's a bad thing. Now, we tell children that, but guess what adults do? They get together and they talk bad about other people. They talk bad about other people, whether it's at the workplace or or that type of thing. We need to do the same thing. We need to do the same thing. I've even been with pastors. They start talking bad about other pastors. I get embarrassed. Sometimes I wonder what they're saying when I'm not there. You know? It's not a good thing. And yet it's easy to get sucked into it. We need to be able to recognize it, see it, and know God says, listen, the the, uh, words of the wicked are to lie and wait for blood. That means to do evil against someone else. But the mouth of the upright shall deliver them. So what comes out of the mouth of the upright when the wicked want 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 to shed blood? What comes out of their mouth, Ed? Good things. And also, no! (laughs) No, you're not going to do this. Right? You're not going to do this. I'm going to go tell that person what you're doing. They're going to be ready for you. Right? You're not going to do this. That that's ought to be the way it is. The wicked are overthrown and are not, but the house of the righteous shall stand. Now, we don't see that in our world today, do we? But I want you to know when it comes to eternity and, and often in the book of Proverbs, you have to look at things eternally. What do we know is going to happen? The wicked are going to be overthrown. And by the way, it does happen in the world too. It does, doesn't it? 
Hitler was overthrown. He killed himself. <laughs> right? Alexander the Great died of a disease when he was in his early 30s, I believe. There have been all kinds of wicked people that met with demise. One of the things that I appreciate about our country is that we are we have a, a leader and the president, but he is not the king, right? Which means if there is an evil person in power, there's at least some check. Do you know that the founders of our country came up, or, or the, the the idea of checks and balances were based upon this principle: man is evil and can do evil things. <laughs> And so we want to make sure if any person is evil and in power, that they can't have ultimate power. And that's good, right? You know, there's evil people in Congress. I believe they're evil. I really believe that. But I'm glad that they're not ultimately in power. If they had ultimate power, who knows what might happen, right? Who knows what might happen? But... The wicked are overthrown, and that is eternally true. Eternally true. And are not, but the house of the righteous shall stand. And that's also eternally true. May God help us to live according to the righteousness of Christ. A man shall be commended according to his wisdom, but he that is of a perverse heart shall be despised. Again, here we also don't always see that in the world, do we? Sometimes people of a perverse heart are not despised, but they're lifted up. And that's not a good thing. But we see that. But again, eternally, um, and in the mind of God, there's a commending that comes from those that are wise from God, and there's a uh, a despising that God has for the the perverse. Verse 9, He that is despised and hath a servant is better than he that honoreth himself and lacketh bread. So he that has very little or is poor is looked upon. Again, the the word despised here is different than verse 8. But he that is looked upon is lowly, but has a servant. Now, how many poor people have servants? Yeah, it just doesn't happen, right? It doesn't happen. But there are those who are poor that have people who come alongside to help them. Isn't that true? Now, there have been people, I had a young lady call up, and she uh, she said, I owe $1,200, the, the only way I'm going to be able to register my car is $1,200, I need $1,200. So I'm, I'm coming over, we're going to get $1,200. And I said, well, I'm, I'm sorry that you owe so much. Um, but, but I can't help you. You know, she said uh, that she had gotten... Tickets because someone else had stolen uh, something from her. And maybe that's true, but maybe it's not. But I can, there's nothing that I've seen in her that says that those tickets aren't hers to begin with. <laughs> and and even so, people we can still help people in the midst of those things. And I, I don't want to be cruel, but I know this. Um, I, am assur- I am sure of this. That if she was a woman... Of character, there'd be other people that would come along and say that they want to help her too. And you've known people like that, right? People who who find themselves in trouble, and there are people that long to help. Either they wish they could help, 
or they do whatever they can to help because they've been people who were kind and not selfish and not self-centered and, and not brash, right? You know, we live in, in an age where if you are on Facebook, every other post, it seems, is somebody needs money for something. <laughs> you know what? There's some people that I want to help. Because I know them and I know that they're people who, who, whether they're Christian or not, they at least are, uh, they're people of character who, in general, want to do the right thing, even if they don't know the Lord. In other words, they have people that come alongside and say, I want to be there for you in your poverty, right? I want to be there for you. And, uh, that makes a difference, doesn't it? It really does. It really does. And that's what God's talking about here. You know, we've all read books or seen movies where the rich person has servants and he was a good good ruler. And then something happens and he had no money and the servant said, I'm still with you. Right? That's what's being talked about here. That's the kind of thing that's being spoken of here. He's better than the man that honoreth himself and lacketh bread. Right? In other words, both of them are in bad shape. Right? Both of them are in sad shape. But what's the difference between the two? One honors himself. Right? Yeah. Exactly. Verse 10, A righteous man regardeth the life of his beast, but the tender mercies of the wicked are cruel. You know, a lot of times you can tell the character of a person by the way they treat animals. By the way they treat animals. Now, I don't think people need to treat animals like they're people, because animals aren't people. <laughs> animals are animals, but in in but a person who's cruel to animals. Because an animal is an animal is, it, it, that often reveals a character flaw, doesn't it? And in fact, God says here that a righteous man regards the life of his beast. He thinks well of the life of his beast. His animal. Whether it be a dog or a cow or anything else, right? And doesn't, again, doesn't mean the dog walks all over you. Sometimes a dog needs to be whapped in the butt, right? But you love the dog. You care about his life. I also don't think it means that you need to pay a $5,000 vet bill to make sure the dog stays alive. Now, if you want to do that, go for it. But I don't think that's what this verse is saying either. But a person who really does have a care and, and treats animals kindly, Right? You ever known somebody who treated their animals cruelly? You know, it really is a, it's an unseemly thing, isn't it? It's unseemly. It's, um, to see it makes you want to look away, <laughs> right? It makes you want to look away. It makes you want to say, what's wrong with you, right? May God help us to, to be as considerate as that. 
when it comes to animals, but the tender mercies of the wicked are cruel. <laughs> that doesn't even make sense, does it? But the tender mercies of a wicked person are still cruel, right? And and there's been times I've known cruel people, and and even their their mercies are are cruel, and that's true. He that tilleth his land shall be satisfied with bread, but he that followeth vain purses is void of understanding. He that followeth useless persons is void of understanding. Right? And uh, when it's time to work, it's time to work. And when you are willing to work because it's time to work, you will reap the reward. But if it's time to work and you say, I'm out of here, then you're going to reap the reward of that too. The wicked desireth the net of evil men. The wicked desire the snare of evil men. The wicked desire or want the snare of evil. They want to grow in their evil. So they want to be able to ensnare people with their evil. They want to learn that, that skill. And that's a bad thing. But the root of the righteous yieldeth fruit. Again, righteous, wicked, you see, yieldeth again. It yieldeth. It, it, it brings to pass something good. The wicked is snared by transgression of his lips. And that, that happens so often. The wicked are, are snared by the very, the very words what they say, but the just shall come out of trouble. And uh, God is able to bring the just out of trouble. And God is fully capable of doing that. A man shall be satisfied with the good by the fruit of his mouth. And the recompense of a man's hands shall be rendered unto him. Again, don't be lazy. Be willing to do the work that needs to be done. The way of a fool is right in his own eyes. But he that hearkeneth um, unto counsel is wise. If you think of Rehoboam, um, Rehoboam was the new king of Israel. Solomon had died. The young men uh, told Solomon, you need to be more cruel to Israel. And the old men gave him counsel and said, maybe you should be less cruel and, and have uh, less of a, uh, a firm hand with the nation of Israel than your, your father did. They'll serve you. Rehoboam took the counsel of the young men because that's what he wanted to do. The young men just told him what he wanted to hear. The old men told him what was right. He went with, with the young men's counsel and, and uh, it split the kingdom. Rehoboam lost the kingdom. And Jeroboam, who was the leader of the, the people, uh, he led the people away. And uh, that's what happened. And may God help us to be willing to take counsel. At least think about it and consider it. And not, not just want people to tell us what we want to hear. Verse 16, a fool's wrath, a fool's wrath is presently known, um, but a prudent man covers shame. He that speaketh truth showeth forth righteousness, but a false witness deceit. There is that which speaketh like the piercings of the sword, but the tongue of the wise is health. A fool's wrath, verse 16, is presently known. And, but a prudent man covers shame. And so, what does a fool do when he gets angry? 
He lets everybody know right then, right? He gets mad. But a prudent man covers shame. And so a prudent man, even though he may get mad, is able to control himself, right? Does that make sense? And it's important that we learn to control ourselves. I don't know if they still teach this, but I remember they used to teach us in school, which was such a stupid thing. That you've got to be willing, if you get angry, you've got you to let it out. You ever heard that? You've got to let it out. Well, that's dumb. I don't know why any teacher would teach that. That's making for a classroom that's filled with chaos. <laughs> because kids are going to get mad all the time. Sometimes you need to stop and find out if whether or not you should be angry at all. And even if you are angry for a right cause, there may be a better way to, to deal with it than exploding. Right? And I think, I think kids need to learn to control themselves and not get angry immediately or let their anger show with, with yelling and screaming and violence immediately. And we've all had to learn that, haven't we? It's important that we learn that. I remember when I was young, my parents <coughs> didn't let me get away with hitting walls and saying it was okay, you gotta let it out. <laughs> How about you don't break my walls? And we'll figure out another way to, to deal with, with something that's going on. And that's true. Oh, yeah, yeah. I don't know how you dealt with me, Mom. <laughs> well, I don't know if that's true or not. I, think, I remember babysitters I got mad at, though. But anyway, we, we do need to learn to control our anger. We have to. It's the right thing to do. Um, and, and when it's right to let loose in anger, God knows when that is and we need, to, we need to know when that is. Just like Jesus knew when it was. It was, was it right for Jesus to turn the, the tables over? It was the right thing for Him to do, wasn't it? The right thing for Him to do. But here we have the righteous God of all creation coming into the world and living amongst men. I'm going to ask you, knowing who Jesus is and who we are, how often could he have flipped out? Yeah, he could have flipped out all the time. Because everything around him was wrong. But he didn't do that, did he? And he doesn't treat us that way. I'm glad he doesn't. Verse 18, there is that that speaketh like piercings of the sword, but the tongue of the wise is health. And sometimes, uh, sometimes we hear things that pierce us like a sword. Now, what does the Bible talk about? What does the Bible say about itself? It's like a two-edged sword, right? Piercing to dividing asunder. And so, what the, what's the old adage? Truth, what? Hurts. That's right. Truth hurts. And that's true. Sometimes truth hurts. But, the tongue of the wise is health. And so, not only do we want to speak truth, but we also want to be ready with the salve. Right? You want to have the truth, and you want to have the neosporin. Right? And we should have that with our kids, with our spouse, with each other. If we're going to speak truth, let's have the neosporin behind it. Um, ready to, to heal 
And God's Word does both of those things, doesn't it? God's Word does both of those things. Not, we're not, if we're going to speak truth and, and, it, and it's going to be a hurtful truth, um, we want to be able to speak it in a way that there's a salve with it. A, a, a healing with it. Because the tongue of the wise is health. And we're not going to make through all this. I was hoping we would, but I don't know why I think I'm going to, but we're not going to make it through the rest of the chapter. Let's just end there for now. And, and uh, we'll p- pick up in verse 19 next week. And uh, But may God help us. God's Word is, is wonderful, isn't it? The book of Proverbs is so filled with, with ways to, ways to the, the, the way to live, the real way to live. There have been many times where God's word, especially in the book of Proverbs, guided me in what I was going to say or how I was going to act. And uh, I, I pray that you'd let God's, the book of Proverbs do that for you too. Amen. So. God bless you guys. Let's pray together and uh, we'll be done for the night. Father, thank you for the opportunity to be here this evening. Thank you for your precious word. I ask that you'd help us to live by your word. Trust your word. And uh, and Lord, we know that that we can't by our will shape our lives by your word. But you by your will can and you by your work can. And so we ask that you would shape our lives. That these words that you've given us would come to fruition in our lives at its proper time. And so help us in these things. Help the young people of our church to find these truths to be filled with wisdom. Real wisdom that is applied to their lives. And so guide us now. Guide, guide us as your people to live by your grace this week. And we pray in the Lord Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Amen. God bless you, brethren. Praise the Lord.